Travis Mosier. Thanks for coming on today, man. Yeah, thanks it's, for having me. It, it's so good to have you in here, chit-chat, catch up on life and all the craze going on in the world. Um, yeah. So thanks for coming. Yeah. Um, let's talk about you. Let's let's talk about who is Chris. Give us the whole backbone of you as a human and your your entire world. I mean, the, <laughs> just so like just, just a nice soft question to, to lead off. How much time do we have? We got all yeah. day, <laughs> as long as we need. Yeah. So it's an amazing story. I've, I've I've been inspired by your story since day one, even before having the opportunity to work with you a few times through through our friends at Nike and. Uh, I just think you're such a force to be reckoned with and such an advocate for, you know, the whole trans way of life. And I think it's an, an amazing story and it inspires me. And I think it, I want others to hear this piece about you because I think yeah. it's so important, especially with the current state of our world. Um, so yeah, give us your, give us your story. All right. Who so. are, who is Chris Mosier? Well, um, so yeah, as you alluded to, I am a transgender man, so mm -hmm. I was assigned female at birth. I was raised and socialized as female and grew up playing girls and women's sports. And I transitioned to male category in competition, in athletics, but also in life, mm -hmm. category in life, yeah. <laughs> uh, in 2010. Um, and you know, I think that's I'm, I lead with that because it's really important to the work that I do and how I exist in the world. Um, I think that my identity is a lot more than just being trans. And sometimes I'm frustrated by the fact that I'm only, you know, sort of put into that box to talk about that one specific thing. But, totally. um, you know, it, it is such a big part of my story and it's such a unique perspective, too, mm -hmm. uh, which is, you know, I'm, I'm very grateful for. Mm -hmm. uh, sports were always important to me. Our earliest memories, four years old, playing, you know, playing sports outside in the backyard with all the neighborhood kids. It's where I found my friends, my community, uh, where I felt the most like myself. Mm -hmm. Uh, I just always felt like me, mm -hmm. I guess. I didn't have the words to put to uh, my identity. And actually, before I go on anymore, I'm curious, did you see the, the documentary Disclosure on Netflix? No. So Disclosure, uh, and I recommend anybody listening watch this if you have Netflix, is a documentary about transgender representation in the media. Okay. Um, and it goes through early footage of even from like early 1900s of how trans folks were represented and how that sort of shaped how people thought about them. Okay. And I, I say that now because when I was growing up, I didn't know the word transgender existed. But what I did actually see of trans people and trans representation was the butt of a joke. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it was like one very specific thing for me was Ace Ventura Pet Detective. Do you remember this uh, movie? Yeah. I must have watched that movie 200 times. I kid you not. <laughs> it was like one of my favorites. It was one of my favorites yeah. too. And, and that's really problematic for me to say. Yeah. I, I'm going on a little tangent yeah, here. Yeah. This go is not for the it. full story. I, I, but, I, I go um, for it. Absolutely. But yeah, so, and, and this is part of the, the Disclosure documentary is that they show this footage from one particular scene mm -hmm. in there. It's very transphobic. But as it turns out, the whole movie is transphobic. I have mm -hmm. just really blacked that out of my memory. Mm -hmm. um, but I remember just like seeing these representations on TV of trans, of quote unquote trans people. Um, they weren't always trans people. It was a lot of it was joking mm -hmm. and thinking like, that's not me. It just never even clicked on my radar. So I just grew up, um, you know, I was uh, playing sports on girls and women's teams and didn't necessarily feel comfortable there, mm -hmm. but I didn't know that not everyone felt like me, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, you know, I, I, I knew that I wasn't, it, I, it seemed like I was not like my teammates. It was, it seemed like I was not like my peers, but I had no inclination at that time that I was trans, that I would transition, that it was even an option for me mm -hmm. to use pronouns other than she and her at that time. Mm -hmm. um, I think I just made myself so busy that I didn't have to think about it. Mm -hmm. So I was super involved in high school, super involved in college. Um, I wanted to play college sports and decided to back out of playing basketball at the last minute. And in hindsight, you know, it was because I didn't want to be on a women's team. Yeah. Um, when we talk about basketball, there's basketball and women's basketball. Yeah. You know, now as a, as somebody who knows a little bit more about life in the world, I know that women's basketball is much more exciting to watch <laughs> and, and actually would have been a great privilege to play, but, um, you know, it just didn't fit for me. Sure. And I just couldn't tell that to other people. I didn't know how to. So 
you know, had that period of struggle in college, um, but came out the other side of it, started to reconnect with sports and picked up running. Um, so, um, I think an important part is that I had a stroke in my, uh, last year of college. What? Yeah. I had two mini strokes in my last year of college and, um, you know, my sort of goal to recovery was to run. Um, so I set the goal of, you know, running, uh, well running at all, I guess. Yeah. But after, after college, I moved, um, and saw a Chicago marathon banner uh-huh. and said, I want to do that. And people were like, you've got to be kidding. You can't run a mile. How are you going to run a marathon? So that was kind of the starting point of my post-collegiate career of okay. running, uh, 5k, 10k, half marathon, marathon, ultra marathon, Okay. Bought a bike, taught myself how to swim, became a triathlete. Okay. And also Real. transitioned. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That piece. So, so you have so much to dig the, into here. I feel like I know. This I is love like, it. I yeah. love it. It's good. So Chris, the athlete. So yeah. you got into endurance sports after college. Yeah. Yeah. And then you realized, holy shit, I'm fast as hell, and I'm gonna do something with this. So talk about your. Um, yeah, your Team USA, like yeah. all of that. It's such a interesting thing for someone who is after college getting into a new sport. Yeah, and how that transpired into all all the amazing things you've done because you have a laundry list of <laughs> credentials behind your name in terms of that endurance component. So speak to that a little bit. Yeah. So basically, what it was is if, if when I was a kid, if you told if if you were the person who was like I double dare you to do whatever, like I was going to do it. And if somebody told me no, that I couldn't do something, I was going to do it. Absolutely. Hands down. So I think I always had that mentality and moving into this position where people said I couldn't run again. You know, people said that I would never be competitive with men when I transitioned, that I just had all this fuel to try to be the best that I could be. You know, I think when you are faced with an injury or some sort of medical condition and you come out the other side of that, that there's a a fire that's lit Mm -hmm. to see how far can I push my body? Mm -hmm. At least that was the case for me of like, I felt like I was so close to not being on this earth anymore. Right. And every, every day was another opportunity to see, you know, can I go a little bit farther? Can I go a little bit faster? Yeah. And that's really how it started. I don't think I, there wasn't a moment where I was like, wow, fast. Like, you know, like I should be up there. Mm -hmm. You know, it it was a gradual process of like, can I get faster today? Mm-hmm. Can I get faster in this next race? And, oh and sort of checking off those boxes of like, wow, I, well, that actually seemed kind of easy. Maybe I can step it up a little more. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in not putting limitations on myself because I felt like all of those had sort of been shattered. Yeah. And that's an interesting point because so many people who I'm sure have been in the position of, well, I'm sick. Mm-hmm. I just got diagnosed with something terrible or what have you giving up always sounds like the easier thing to do, you know? So I think that that in itself is what makes you who you are is that you have that inner fire to continue to push the limits in regards to a multitude of different things about who you are. And I think that that is very commendable and there's not enough of that in people. And I, I hope that people get, people hear that, part about you because well number one i didn't even know you had a stroke and yeah. now even knowing that i'm like god he, he's bigger <laughs> badass than i even i already knew you were a badass but that's so inspiring because there's so many people out there especially as we were you know not post covid but mm-hmm. we're coming out of this situation and yeah. there's people who have been in their homes for three months and they're suffering with terrible depression you know mm-hmm. and Sometimes in life, it seems like, well, I mean, what am I going to do? How am I going to fix it? So I think it's so empowering for you to be able to have taken that moment in your life and done something to elongate your livelihood, if you will. Well, so you just said like, man, what am I going to do? Right. Mm -hmm. Like, and I feel that so much. And I've definitely had periods in these last three months where I've been Mm -hmm. like that and, and over the course of my life. But if you change the tone of that, if you flip that a little bit, oh. I've recently been on this kick of like every day we get to ask ourselves one question and it's, what am I going to do? Yeah. Right. Oh yeah. 
And so like, there's so much power in that. And especially in this time where there are so many things that we can't control. Mm -hmm. And this has sort of been a mantra of mine, definitely since I've transitioned of like, you know, I, I, I tried to be the kid growing up that didn't care what people thought about them. Mm -hmm. And to a certain extent I didn't, but everybody does. Sure. Right. Totally. And so I tried not to get too wrapped up in that, knowing that I couldn't control what other people thought about me. Mm -hmm. And when I transitioned, you know, that became extremely relevant for me because a lot of people have negative opinions about trans people. Mm -hmm. I've watched Disclosure for reasons that will never be about me and have nothing to do with me. Even if they meet me, they like me, will still hold these negative thoughts. And sometimes that comes out on me. Right. Like I get a lot of nasty messages. I can only imagine. And, and it's, you know, my identity is a topic that everybody seems to have an opinion about whether they've met a trans person or not. Mm-hmm. And particularly when it comes to sports, that is a whole nother world of controversy. And so I've always thought like, I, I can only control what I can control. Mm-hmm. And this, is, this has served me very well in racing and in training. It served me very well in relationships and talking to people. Mm-hmm. Like I can't control what you think about me. Right. Uh, what you think about me is actually none of my business. Right. Yeah. I can control how I react. Right. You can, you can say and do whatever. The one thing that I'm in control of is myself and my reactions. And so, you know, ask yourself, like, what am I going to do? Mm -hmm. How much effort am I going to put forward today? Mm -hmm. How am I going to make myself a little bit better today? Whether it's in work, it's in training, it's in whatever. Mm -hmm. And I, that I've just found so much power in that. What am I going to do phrase that you said? But if you say it like, what am I going to do? Right. You know, it's very different. Right. You're speaking to my soul a little bit because I, I definitely remember this a uh, hundred years ago with just Jim. <laughs> can, can we talk about when we, when people Google you, the first thing that comes up is your name and age. <laughs> really? That literally came up today as, as Google autofilled. You said a hundred years. I was just like <laughs> laughing so hard because. <laughs> I was born like, in 1879. <laughs> you probably turned to this. Two centuries ago, yes. Carry on. <laughs> oh, that's funny. People are so weird. Oh, totally. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, there, I went through this moment with the gym, you know, and opening the mm-hmm. gym where business partner leaves, other people leave, da 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 da. Mm-hmm. And it just brought off this like, I'm kind of depressed. I don't know if I'm enjoying this anymore. What, yeah. a, you know, and, and like, I allowed that frustration, that internal like pissy attitude to ruin my day. And mm-hmm. then all of a sudden one day I woke up and I'm like, I'm going to look at myself in the mirror every day, hopefully for the rest of my life and tell you myself, have to. Yeah, well, I got to do the hair. So there's, there, can't let that go. Um, but I'm going to tell myself today is going to be a great day. Mm-hmm. And I mean, talk about like, something that started to change my perspective in terms of why I actually came to work every day. Mm-hmm. And it was just that little moment. It was like, yeah, I had the power to choose how I'm going to handle my day to day. And to your point of what you're saying, it makes so much sense of like, am I doing something to make this world a better place? Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that alone yeah. feels really good. Yeah. Because that's your why, yep. right? So, Precisely. and this oh, is like, oh, oh, I love you so much. God. Can we just have like a whole series oh, together? <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> Vibe with that so much because, you know, I, I, all, I often come back to my why and I encourage yes. my athletes, my teammates, you know, people around me to come back to their why. And mm-hmm. if you don't have a why, figure it out because mm-hmm. your life will have so much more passion and meaning when you can wake up and live with purpose, live with intention mm-hmm. and live for your why. Mm-hmm. You know, the part about having a bad day, I, I get that so much. And I saw the other day, like, did you really have a bad day or did you have four minutes that really, really were awful that you milked for the rest of the day? Right. Right. Because it's, you know, yes. something like I, I, I get that so much because we can get so much positive feedback. I can get comments, you know, social media is the worst for, at feeding oh. this fire, but I can get a hundred positive comments and I can get one jerk who slides into the DMs with some really nasty stuff mm-hmm. that might cause me to go into a tailspin. Yep. Totally negating the other 100 positive people who's had their life changed, their kids' lives changed because I am who I am, yep. right? And it's how much power do we give that? Oh, I mean, one negative comment to your point. Mm-hmm. Those keyboard warriors out there. Right. <laughs> so, like, but why do we, yeah, why do we allow that to piss us off? And it's but yeah. like 100 comments that are great. And it's like, well, this one asshole. Right. You know, 
offended me yep. and it ruined to, yeah, it, it can ruin your day. Why yeah. do we do that? Yeah. But then that, that goes back to, right. I can't control what that one person thinks of me. Yeah. And so it, yeah. we have to ground ourselves in that. And the way that we do that is through our why. So mm-hmm. I am who I am so that, so that other people can look at me and see an example of a trans person living a happy, successful, awesome life. Yep. You know, I feel like me waking up every single day and, and living a good life is my legacy. Yeah. That Absolutely. is my work because I get messages from people. I got a, a text. So I'm, I'm texting now with people, mm-hmm. which is wild and very dangerous. <laughs> but <laughs> anybody can text me and I will text them back. And Wait, how? 312-847-2551. You can text me. Uh, and yeah, and so I am just awesome. opening up my text messages to people because I feel like it's another way for me to communicate with people who might have barriers to communicating with me or to someone who is like them. Yeah. I got a message from a 14 year old trans kid in Indiana yesterday who was like, just like seeing you lets me know that I can live my life, oh, that there is a I safe space that. for me I love that. and that I can continue to play sports. Mm-hmm. And like, that is my why, right? Yes. I didn't have that when I was growing up. No. I didn't see somebody like me. I didn't see a possibility for myself. I didn't see a future for myself, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. Like, when I was about to get married, now it'll be eight years ago, I got married, and in the advance of the wedding, I like I couldn't mentally do it because I didn't have a picture of myself getting married when I was wow. older. Yeah. Like that wasn't something that I ever saw in my future because I didn't know that I would live past twenty five. Jesus. You know, and, and when we when you don't have that, when you don't have that hope and you have to fight for that hope, yeah. I think the best gift I can give to other people is just give them hope just by me existing. Yeah. It's, it's so powerful. Yeah. That's an interesting conversation because we're roughly the same age. And I can imagine, I mean, even growing up. People are Googling right now. Right. Oh, yep. 1879. There she is. (laughs) She's 400 years old. (laughs) Yep. In my early hundreds. Right, um, right. (laughs) uh, You know, just coming out in the... I don't, I don't know what 15, 17, 20 years ago mm-hmm. was, was a process and was complicated and it's yeah. always a process and it's always complicated regardless. And I feel like there's this thing where people are like, Oh, well, it's so much more socially acceptable now. It's so much easier to do now. And I'm like, mm, right. I'm not sure I agree with that. Yeah. But the fact that you had a 14 year old kid text you mm-hmm. who's comfortable to have that conversation and you're such an advocate for it is so powerful because I can think back to when I was 14 and I'm like why why do I want to like I don't know hang out with my volleyball coach is that inappropriate you know right, like you right, think back right. to that shit yeah. and it's like whoa yeah. there's so many red flags oh my god what did, what did I do I bottled it right for years years I don't <laughs> even maybe 10 yeah before I started to like really figure it out. Yeah. And there the the system of support is a challenge, I think, because yep. young adults or people who are going through, you know, LGBTQIA mm-hmm. plus mm-hmm. and it's 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 challenging. And I think that I mean, I know my support system, I, I bottled everything up and yep. I don't I don't know if you did that too or not, but I feel like just a 14 year old taking the, having the courage to text you is amazing. What was your number again? Yeah. It's 312-847-2551. Plug it. Yeah. Anybody can. Plug it. Yeah. It'll be right on the screen right here. Yeah. Uh, But that's so empowering. Yeah, totally. We'll add that decal. Yeah. Yeah, Thanks. Um, That's so empowering though, because I mean, it's, it's again it speaks volumes for who you are as a human and you're such an advocate and there's just not enough of that and then we look at our current state of the world and the black lives matter movement Mm -hmm. and the stories in the news nearly i don't even know how many i've read lately of transgender people and the violence there and i'm like oh my god yeah what what is going on yeah, so I mean, to dig into that, right, I think it's it, it, like all of us feel so isolated and alone going through our process. I would say most of us, yeah. at least when we were going through our processes, right? So mm-hmm. like, like talking about 10, 15, 20 years ago, 
when we didn't have positive representation in the media of any queer people, mm -hmm. right? That that it was a lot harder. It mm -hmm. was a lot harder because we didn't have the language. We we couldn't have these conversations. And I don't. I agree with you. I don't think it's gotten easier now for people. Right. I just think that more people have the language to have conversations. Yes. And if anything, we saw a, a great swing uh, in the last presidential administration when Obama was in office. We saw a lot of progress happen mm -hmm. with marriage equality, with rights, with uh, health care, so many things. Yep. And when we had a new president come in, the pendulum swung the other way. Yes. Um, we have seen great amounts of violence against transgender women, specifically trans women of color, mm -hmm. black trans women. The life expectancy is 35 years old. Oh, my God. In the last month, five, uh, I think in Pride Month 2020, five black trans women were murdered. Mm. And it's heartbreaking because it's, it's specifically targeted violence because they are trans, mm -hmm. you know? And it is just continuing to be fueled because of the hateful rhetoric that's coming from the White House, coming from that administration, where it wasn't perfect before. And, you know, it has right. not been safe for trans people for a very long time. Right. But when you have people question our identity to say that our identities are not valid, mm -hmm. we now have laws that are being put in place that ban trans people from sports. A law. Yeah. In Idaho, there's a law that prohibits transgender girls from playing sports in high school and in college. Yep. And it also, to be totally sexist, and we mm -hmm. can dig into this part in a minute, mm -hmm. um, allows any person to question the gender of any girl and say, I don't think that you're really a girl, which would trigger an invasive inv uh, examination of their internal and external genitalia, chromosomes, and hormones, or hormones, one of, the, one of those three. So can you imagine being a 14-year-old no. female athlete and being so good at your sport that someone goes, that's a dude, and then that you have to have a pelvic examination in order to continue to play sports? I mean, I feel violated just hearing this. Right. <laughs> that's the appropriate reaction. Yes. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Um, but Mike, are, are transgender males having the same? No. So, yeah, so, I mean, a big part of my experience is that I was raised and socialized as female, mm -hmm. you know, grew up playing girls and women's sports. I, I understand how people treat girls and women as athletes mm -hmm. and, and in the world um, to a lesser extent. I didn't, I didn't get the catcalling. I think I was androgynous and not really fitting in with the target market for the catcalls maybe. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but I've, you know, I've seen it with my, with my friends and mm -hmm. you know, had that experience of, of being talked down to and of, of not being valued mm -hmm. as a person, as an athlete, you know, thinking that I was less than. And when I transitioned, I also experienced that because I was assigned female at birth. People said, you'll never be competitive with men. There's no way you can, you know, that you're going to win races. Just let him compete. He's going to be a middle of the pack guy. Watch and then, me. Yeah, that's what I said. Yeah. Watch me. <laughs> yep. And then on top of that, I inherited all of this male privilege. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I went from being, you know, perceived as a woman in a relationship with a woman mm -hmm. to being perceived as a straight white man. Holy shit. That is so and, interesting. And, you know, I, I was prepared with like, what's going to happen when I take testosterone? You know, I, I wasn't prepared for this, but I'm so happy. <laughs> but I got that wet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, but like other things that, that would happen with transition and I felt prepared about how to come out at work, sort of, and how to talk to my family. But I was not aware of the social transition I would make mm -hmm. in terms of people, you know, seeing me as a straight white guy in this environment. So now I go into a place with a woman and I'm talked to first. You know, I, I had a, an incredible female boss who would give, we'd go out for a staff lunch. She would pay with the credit card and the check would come back to me as the only guy there. And it was like one of these incredible things of being like, how is this even happening? But, and things that weren't even on my radar before, but I was oh. on the other side of that. Yeah. You know, like now I'm very conscious and aware of that because I have this dual perspective of like, how much space am I taking up in a room, right? Wow. How, how do the men speak over the women mm -hmm. or steal their ideas in a meeting and present them like their own and get the credit for it? You know, all of these things happen on a daily basis. It's just mind-blowing. But when wow. it comes to sport, no one saw me as a threat, so I didn't suffer the same repercussions that these trans girls in Idaho are suffering. I don't, I, you know, when I made Team USA the first time, I got a shrug and, like, a good job. And it was history, right? It had never been done before. Mm -hmm. in competing internationally in the gender with which I identify. 
All right, nice work. And it was cool. It was to my benefit, right? Mm-hmm. Like I didn't get a lot of pushback. I didn't get hateful messages from my teammates. Like all the guys were like, hey, it's cool you're here. Like super accepting. I loved it. Uh, but for any trans woman who just wants to play in sport, not making Team USA, not not in the pipeline for the Olympics, not winning world championships, wants to participate mm-hmm. with her peers, we see outrage. We see articles. We see the president's son tweeting about them. Yeah. That is such an interesting perspective in terms of, I, I mean, completely uneducated about that piece. I'm like, Whoa. Yeah. yeah. The whole, the whole male privilege thing. I would have never, ever, ever thought about that. Yeah. Wow. I didn't yeah, <laughs> until totally, it happened. Until it happened. <laughs> yeah. Holy cow. Yeah. And you know, I think it, it's been a, a benefit in a lot of ways because it's given me this perspective to be able to call attention to these things. Right. Yeah. In this, in much in the same way of, I didn't think about my whiteness right. until I transitioned and became the straight white man. And then it became a, a part of my identity that gave me privilege and power that I was like, Oh wait, this isn't right. Like mm-hmm. just because I'm white and I'm with my black friend, you're going to talk to me first. That's not right. Like, wow. you know, I, I, I experienced a lot of these situations where it seemed like there was a power dynamic at play yeah. that I was totally unaware of before transition. Uh, you know, pr- partly maybe because of the environments that I was in, mm-hmm. but also now as somebody who pays close attention to, social environments and, and, um, yeah. you know, social justice, yeah. something that needs to be talked about. Yeah. And then now hearing this yeah. and you think about the trans woman of color, mm-hmm. I mean, right. What, what, what happens next? Like what needs to be done? Yeah. I mean, I know that you've done a lot with, oops, with, um, different organizations and such to help build awareness and, but your opinion, mm-hmm. in your opinion, mm-hmm. what do you feel is the necessary step to, one, educate people, obviously, on the fact that we all bleed red, we're all pink on the inside, but two, how does that, how do we get there? How do we push the envelope of opening up people's eyes to all of this? Yeah. I mean, we all bleed red, but we have such different life experiences that mm-hmm. that almost doesn't even matter, right? True. Because Sadly because true. if you are a woman, you face discrimination and mm-hmm. oppression in this world. If you are a person of color, you face different discrimination. If you are from the South, in certain cases, you will face discrimination. If you are a certain religion or mm-hmm. low socioeconomic status or you know what have you, there are so many intersections of our identity and a lot of them hidden, right? Mm-hmm. Like that you wouldn't know about, like mm-hmm. I'm a first generation college student paid my way through school and you wouldn't know that I was the only person with a college degree in my family unless I said that. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and people make assumptions about people all the time, but there's so many layers to us. Oh, yeah. And you know, I think the big thing about, uh, making progress around, I hate the word acceptance, but like in, in this context, I don't like, like, uh, I don't hate the word acceptance. I just like, in this case, it doesn't feel like enough, actually. Yeah, yeah. well, it's It's not. a starting point, it's right? It's a starting point, <laughs> so, correct, correct. Uh, to, to move the needle there, I think we need education, first of all, mm-hmm. right? A big part of what I do is just having conversations with people who have never talked to a trans person before mm-hmm. because the media has made us out to be monsters, you know? And, and because the media has done that and the government has villainized us and demonized us in a way that makes it seem like we aren't worthy of being able to access gender affirming healthcare. Mm -hmm. Like we aren't worthy of being uh, protected in schools. Mm -hmm. Like we aren't worthy to play sports and on and on. And so when you have those messages coming from the Department of Education, the Office of Civil Rights, the White House, saying that, that, you know, how mind blowing is it that I can represent my country at the highest level of sport internationally, but I wouldn't be able to serve in the military. Oh my God, that is such a valid point. Yeah. You know, and so we, yeah. need, we need more positive representation. We need more positive stories. Mm-hmm. We need more inclusion of these stories outside of Pride Month, outside of Trans Day of Awareness or Trans Day of Visibility. Mm-hmm. We need to be incorporated into the fabric of society where we've been existing for so many years. Yeah. And so I think that's a big part of it. Um, you know, I would say that in the last, say, six years, there's been a big move in terms of 
general understanding mm -hmm. that I will reluctantly attribute to Caitlyn Jenner. Yeah. Because she was a figure in pop culture yeah. and someone that, you know, I, I don't have a TV, I haven't kept up with the Kardashians, but <laughs> like as, she, as somebody who, who was in that mainstream, like that people knew, when she transitioned, I think that she did an incredible job of bringing awareness to trans identity. Yeah. Just even giving people the words, you know, to, to start to have these conversations. Yeah. So I think education is key. Um, I direct people to my website because mm -hmm. I've sort of made a you know, point to do this education mm -hmm. as, as my life's work. So in 2013, I made a website called transathlete.com mm -hmm. and it's a compilation of sports policies at various levels of play. So K through 12, college, recreational, international. That's elite. awesome. And so, you know, when I was thinking about transition, I didn't see those policies anywhere yeah. and I was emailing people and it was a, it was a real struggle to get my category changed to, to figure it all out. Yeah. And now in the aftermath of that, more and more organizations, governing bodies have started to have policies. Some of yeah. them I've written, but, <laughs> <laughs> and they're on there too. Um, but it's a place that people can go just for education. And even if you have no interest in sports, you could go and just get basic terminology about how to have conversations with and about trans people in a really respectful manner. Yeah, that's, that's, that's actually very resourceful to know. Because yeah. I think, especially like with these stories of um, the violence among the transgender world and mm -hmm. the, the Black Lives Matter movement and all of this stuff is resurfacing. Um, not really resurfacing, that's not the right word. It's always yeah. been there, yeah, but yeah. it's becoming a it's becoming a much bigger, bigger deal, which is great. It mm -hmm. needs to be, but mm -hmm. I think it's, that's the one piece, even for me, in light of all of those issues that is education, because I mean, just what you were saying about the male perspective mm -hmm. versus the, the female. And it's like, holy cow, wow, yeah. you never really, I, I am a female and I would have never yeah. ever thought about that. So it's, that's very interesting. Yeah. And I mean, there's so much, even within the LGBT, LGBTQ community, right? That lesbian, gay, bisexual folks, queer folks, just because they're in the community doesn't mean that they automatically know about so trans true. identity. So and true. A lot of the discrimination that I've faced, the, the worst discrimination has come from within the queer community. Mm -hmm. um, part of it is that people think they have a pass to say whatever they want and mm -hmm. sometimes say some really offensive things because it's those terms have become part of gay slang. Mm -hmm. Um, but, you know, I think just the, the basic education. Today I got a message uh, asking me a question about transsexuals, and they were talking about transgender people but didn't understand that transsexual is outdated terminology. It's mm -hmm. no longer used. Some people identify as transsexual, and that's cool. I respect their transsexual identity. Mm -hmm. But largely, the community does not use that word anymore. It's medicalized. It was, you know, um, put, put upon us for a diagnosis. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of the community uses transgender. Um, language is so incredibly important, yeah. you know, in terms of the terms that we use, how we use them. Pronouns. Exactly. Uh, transgender is an adjective. So mm -hmm. I'm a transgender man. There are trans women, a transgender athlete or an athlete who is transgender, but not a transgender mm -hmm. or the transgenders. Right. Right. And so like everywhere I go, I'm listening for this. I'm listening for the way people are speaking. I'm listening for pronouns mm -hmm. to see if it's a safe place for me to be myself. Mm-hmm. That's so interesting. I, I think the, the pronoun thing is, it, I feel like, correct me if I'm wrong, mm -hmm. but I feel like in the last five years, yep. this has become more of a how people identify is this pronoun thing. And it kind of rubbed me the wrong way for a while in terms of people are like, well, I'm straight. I'm a girl. Do I have to call myself her or she and I'm like, well, I don't think that that's really what we're the message we're trying to get across here. It's just that's how you identify. It's the same as if you identify as him, he, mm -hmm. right? And it's just again an educational piece that's missing. I mean, people, it's like they don't even understand their pronouns. Yeah, it's true. You know? it's, it's true. It's crazy. Yeah. So I mean, I think this is what makes a lot of people uncomfortable is mm -hmm. if you have meetings and you're going around at the first introductions and people haven't done this before, mm -hmm. it can be really problematic because people get deeply uncomfortable with the fact that they've forgotten fourth grade English class parts of speech. <laughs> yeah. right? And some of it is like, I forget what a pronoun is. Right. Mm -hmm. But for trans people, it is 
extremely important. Mm -hmm. Like in my beginning part of my transition, it was, and, and it remains, extremely important that people call me he and him. Mm -hmm. And when I was first transitioning, if people said she or slipped and said her, mm -hmm. it was devastating. Mm -hmm. Because I was like, what am I doing wrong that people don't see me the way that I see myself? Mm -hmm. It is, you know, affirming of who I am. Yeah. It'd be like, you know, having somebody say your name wrong every single time that you saw them. And it's like, like, you don't see me. You're not yeah. being respectful. Yeah. Um, but with pronouns, you know, that not everyone uses he or she. So yeah. there are non-binary pronouns like they, them, which people used to argue is not appropriate grammar. Like suddenly people are the grammar police or, you know, like English <laughs> language. You failed English. Why do right, you care? Right. <laughs> um, I actually had a, a, like somebody at my workplace who said, no, they isn't appropriate for singular use. So I'm not going to say that. Like totally disregarding, you know, um, and now it's in the dictionary and it is, but, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and I think that's, that's, that can be challenging for people to wrap their minds around, but it's becoming less and less so as more and more people and including celebrities use they, them pronouns. Mm -hmm. So it's been really cool because I do think visibility is the key to creating social change yeah. and, and athletes and celebrities and, and musicians and, you know, actors really make that happen. Yeah. I, um, do you watch, uh, oh, Billions? Never seen it. Oh, mm. I, I can't remember. <laughs> I can't re remember the name, but it's the first. I, I mean, I, I might even get this wrong. Actress identifies they. Mm -hmm. I can't remember. The Asia, I think, is the name. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. You know who I'm talking about? Mm -hmm. And then, and on the show, mm -hmm. it's it's done extremely well. And I'm like, yes, this is this is fantastic. Yeah, we're bringing this to the to the world, and we're you know showing off that. Anyone can be an actor or an actress or yep. however, and it's, it's appropriate and it's cool. And oh yeah. man, that's, yeah. And it's about incorporating that and those storylines into the media without mm -hmm. it being about that thing, right? Yes. Like it's not just like they are a non-binary actor Correct. and we're using they, them. And it's such a big deal. It's Correct. we just refer to them as they, them throughout the whole show. And yeah. people are like, oh, oh, it's not, oh, it's, they did that, but it actually yeah. wasn't a big thing. That was actually my reaction watching Billions. And I'm like, yeah wait, it, it took me a couple episodes and I'm like, wait, yeah. the, what's going on here? And I Googled, mm -hmm. oh, this is really cool. Yeah. And I feel like that about me in the media as well. Like the more that my story is just shared without it being the transgender athlete mm -hmm. who did this transgender thing, right? Yeah, like, yeah. like um, it's cool to be the first and to have all of those accomplishments and to break open those doors, but also like just to cover me as an athlete, as a person, mm -hmm can help, I don't know, I don't like the word normalize. That is one that I really don't like, but, but because what is normal? There is no, there's normal, no normal, right? But like bring into the mainstream mm -hmm. uh, trans identity, trans stories, trans mm -hmm. narratives, not in a way of like, oh, this is other, this is weird, right? but it's just another athlete. Yes, precisely. Speaking of athlete, talk about your uh, relationship with Nike. How did that happen? Yeah, so I, in probably 2012, started to do advocacy work uh, with organizations just because I was creating my website and because I was, um, you know, recently out and public about being out as, an, as a trans triathlete, uh, got linked up with Nike and went out to Portland to do an LGBTQ sports summit. So I was meeting with all of the other leaders in the space of LGBTQ inclusion in sports. And we had this annual meeting a couple of years in a row. And um, in the sort of final year of that, was my making Team USA. And so I tried to farm that relationship, like, hey, Nike, you should sponsor me. It'd be a great time to, you know, it's June, it's Be True, it's Pride Month, like yeah. sponsor me as the first trans athlete, you know, in no one had been sponsored, like no transgender athlete right. had a sponsorship. Um, and so, you know, it didn't go anywhere, unfortunately, uh, at that time. But fortunately for me, it was more because, uh, there was no interest in signing me as a be true athlete or as a queer athlete or a trans athlete just for June. Mm -hmm. But I ended up getting a commercial that ran in the Rio Olympics as part of the unlimited uh, campaign and mm -hmm. then got sponsored in 2016 um, after competing in uh, the world championship in duathlon. That's so funny. It's, I remember that unlimited. Yeah. And I remember seeing you and obviously I certainly didn't know you. Yeah. And I was like, that is so 
pardon my French, fucking awesome. <laughs> this human being is doing this shit and like, holy cow, I can't wait to watch his story and see where it goes and da 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 da. And here we are. Here we are. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Well, I mean, I definitely have to give Nike a shout out because sure. they, they certainly brought you into my world and mm-hmm. I just, I respect so much of what you're doing and, um, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty powerful. Um, now you're working with, is it point of pride or, yep, that's right. Uh, non-for-profit is that currently a, yep. So vol- I volunteer with a nonprofit called point of pride. Uh, it is entirely run by transgender people for trans and non-binary people to get the gender affirming care that they need. Um, for so many of us, it, things aren't covered by health insurance or we're underinsured or underemployed and lack the funds to access the care that we need. Mm-hmm. Um, so we provide uh, chest binders for trans men or non-binary people. Okay. Um, we uh, feminine shapewear. Okay. We do electrolysis uh, surgery funds and then also gender affirming surgery funds. And right now we've really shifted in the last couple of months to give micro grants to transgender people during COVID who have lost their jobs. So oh, wow. just in the last two months, we've distributed $15,000 to non-binary and transgender people who are out of work, who just need to cover their hormones, to cover their medicine, um, you know, to cover rent, yeah. whatever it is. Yeah. So, oh, that's so great. Yeah. How long has this organization been around? So we're celebrating our five-year anniversary this year. Oh, congrats. Which is very cool. Yeah, I joined the board about a year and some months ago. Okay. And we're doing a virtual 5K race at the end of August. If nice. anyone wants to join us. Okay. We could link it in the show notes. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. That's your I'm job. Just <laughs> distributing tasks. Um, yeah, no, it's an amazing organization. That's and great. Um, started by a uh, trans guy, Aiden Dowling who was the first trans man on the cover of Men's Health magazine, just as a way to give back to the community. And what I love is that all of the members of the board are just so passionate about helping other people. And um, yeah, we do a a lot of great work for people who wouldn't have access to these services otherwise. Okay. Speaking of magazines, you were body issue. I wasn't the body issue. That was badass. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That was probably the most amazing day was when that came out. It was the first day of filming the Nike commercial. Yeah. So... I filmed a night. I, I filmed the Nike commercial, which was like just mind blowing to me. And it was a two day shoot. So at the end of day one, um, I kind of came back to the trailer and saw that ESPN had launched online my photos for the body issue. So I was naked in a magazine <laughs> and shooting a Nike commercial on the same day. I mean, like, yeah, a very baller. Yeah, that's a, amazing. I mean, it was a real turning point because totally. I had, you know, uh, six years before that, I have this great story about crying (laughs) that I don't really like to cry. And I grew up, you know, trying to hide my tears and in a family that was like, you know, suck it up. Don't cry in public. Like just, it didn't feel like crying was a safe thing to Mm do. And as an athlete, I'm also taught, you know, don't cry, don't show weakness. You know, you're supposed to hide your pain. So I have all of these very negative emotions about crying. And I had my sort of breakdown of figuring out that I had to transition on my birthday in, uh, I think it was 2009. Um, it was just a, in a New York city restaurant, this moment of, you know, somebody came over and asked us what we wanted to order. And I just started to cry when they left. It was because they came over and said, Hey ladies, can I take your order? And that was just like, for whatever reason, that was the moment where I was like, I can't imagine living my life another year like this. Wow. And you know, so I have this, this like memory of crying in the restaurant my partner saying, do you need to leave? Like, go out to the sidewalk, crying on the sidewalk in New York City. But it's New York, nobody cares. So they're just buzzing by. It's like not a big deal. You know, and then coming to that realization of like, I have to do something. Yeah. Six years later, I'm in a trailer, you know, with all the Nike people and the film production crew. And I'm naked in a magazine. And, you know, they're like toasting me. And it was just like such a powerful moment yeah. because I knew the impact of being in that commercial that was global, like it, I think it dropped during swimming in the Rio Olympics. There was not a bigger moment in sports than Michael Phelps swimming in Rio, right? Like, like for that time period, um, you know, swimming gymnastics. I was like, I'm in both of these moments in the commercial break, right? Like globally. And the, the, uh, the reach, the visibility of that, you know, knowing that, you know, you didn't know who I was, you saw it and like, Mm -hmm. that was cool. Mm -hmm. Um, 
grandparents having conversations with their grandkids about it. Like just like such visibility and then like total visibility of being naked in a magazine, which I <laughs> never thought would have happened, but it was just an opportunity for me to like really reclaim um, and, and take power of and ownership of my body, which is my machine, right? Mm -hmm. Which gets me my athletic accomplishments, yep. but that I've been so at odds with for so long that yeah. I just didn't feel like I was at home in for so long. And it was just a real moment of being able to, to share that with other people and to have the confidence to share it with other people. Yeah. Because a year before that, I would have said, hell no, you would never see me, you know, in that. And it was something that I wanted to do. So yeah. I found myself crying in that trailer just as people were like, you know, celebrating like yeah. in the same way that I thought my life, I never thought my life would be like this, you know, six years before yep. it was that full circle moment of being like, wow, I really never thought my life would be like this, <laughs> but it's amazing. And so I know powerful. it's so powerful. Wow. That's so, that's yeah. awesome. Um, going back to the body issue, mm -hmm. I've always wondered how they do that. Like, okay. what is that process like? So, <laughs> I mean, uh, if there, there's something so inspiring, number one, about yeah. all these different shapes of bodies to begin with in the pro athlete realm. And so what, what is that? What's that it's like? Really? The, the, I mean, it's just such a touching yeah. issue, right? Because like, yeah. it's so empowering to see the different body types to see, um, you know, I always say that there's not just one way to be a man. There's not just one way to be a woman. There's not just one way to be a trans person. Mm -hmm. So we are all just representatives of ourself, right? And, mm -hmm. and that issue really shows the diversity of bodies, of power, of what like an amazing shot put a thrower is going to be very different than an amazing soccer player or basketball player or rower or, you know, like yeah. just we all look so different and we're all so good at what we do that it's really yeah. amazing. I was featured in October 2015 issue of ESPN Magazine for their coming out issue. It was the same issue that Gus Kenworthy came out in. Oh, yes. um, so it was a really cool issue to be a so part good. of. My first like really big spread in the magazine. Like, spread is okay to use there because I have my clothes on. But Yeah, man, you're in a safe place. Wait a second. So as I was doing that, I don't know what compelled me to say this, but I said to the writer the first time I met her, like, hey, I'd really like to be in the body issue. And she's like, I, I was like, yeah, the, you know, the ESPN body issue. Like, I just kind of like floated it out there and it manifested because she was like, oh, my editor of the story is actually the editor of that issue. I'll, I'll let her know. Wow. And I was like, what have I done? <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't hear anything about it. So that was October and it was probably February or March of the following year where I got a phone call and they were like, you know, Hey, it's from ESPN. I uh, want to know if you want to be interested in being a part of the body issue. And before they even said the last word, I was standing up. I took the call at work. I'm in my office, like door shut, standing up, jumping in my office, like fist pump, like just so pumped. And I was like, yes, I'll do it. And they're like, okay, so you know, it's a nude shoot, right? And I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. And they were like, no, like, no, we don't Photoshop anything. You're totally naked, just so you know. And I was like, yeah, that's cool. And then I was like, wait a second. <laughs> wait a second. So there were definitely like two months of trying to figure out how to contort my body in a way to not have you know certain things on camera as, as they you know definitely want like a helmet placed here or a leg placed here. Um, they were so incredibly respectful. It yeah. was it was an awesome experience. The photographer who shot me was amazing, uh, Benedict Evans, and we did some other work for uh, I think it was for ESPN later on, and um, it was they you know they come there you have a robe on they kind of set everything up with a dummy model and then they bring me in uh, they had somebody sort of back into the shot facing away from me so it's just me and the photographer looking at each other they would back into the shot and grab my robe like this and then walk away wow. and then you know whoever else was there they would say avert your eyes and everyone <laughs> would just kind of look off in the distance and then it was just the two of us and you know the images would pop right up and I could see it and he could wow. see it and then make adjustments and then he would the guy would back in with the robe hand me the robe and then I'd be robed and then I'd be on to the next thing so wow it was 10 hours of flexing while naked oh so I was so sore I was so <laughs> sore I was so I was that's so like sore. bodybuilding show type I shit. was so <laughs> sore and like you know my whole thing was like I, I mean, obviously, like, there's some vanity in this. I wanted to look good, right? Oh, like, yeah. I was just like, this is, everyone is going to see this, and, and it's forever on the internet. So 
Um, you know, just like I sent Benedict a message beforehand. I was like, can you make me look badass? Like, that's all I want is just like to look super badass. And I think he did a pretty good job. It was, it was pretty cool. That's cool. Yeah. I'd be like, um, can you get rid of my farmer's tan? Maybe (laughs) even up those, uh, tan lines a little bit. I can't remember if I had them. I mean, I must have, because it was right before the world championship in Spain. So I That's was like a commendable in peak condition. Tan line, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel very proud of yeah, my. Now I have short, short singlet lines tan lines and a sock line right now. So I have this very tan <laughs> section mid leg right now, but I haven't done a whole lot for my arms this year. <laughs> if there's anything I've seen a lot of lately uh, with golf courses and everything opening now is a lot of the short sleeve tan, tan lines. Like you went golfing over the weekend, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. Um, so where do you feel like leagues are today with transgender inclusion? Ooh, depends on the level of play. Pro has a long way to go. Um, pro leagues should have something. And even the women's leagues, which are usually the leagues that have policies before the men's leagues, because again, nobody's worried about me going into major league baseball. Mm -hmm. Um, they don't have policies. And I think that we're at a point where most leagues and organizations know that they either need to have a policy or be prepared for a lawsuit because there are trans people who want to play sports and you can either be ahead of it and bring trans people to the table and make a good policy with input from the community or you can have nothing on the books or have a discriminatory policy and just know that you're going to get sued yep and period period and there's a lot of power in that yeah yeah it's that's the way that we saw change at the high school level was it was kids who would say, I just want to play sports with my friends mm-hmm. and would challenge school districts, states, state athletic associations. Mm-hmm. But it takes a lot of courage to be that person. Oh, for sure. And it I takes imagine. a lot of family support as a young person too. Yeah. But just knowing that what I've encountered with media in being out and being a trans man mm-hmm. is a fraction of what the trans women who are fighting these policies are, are receiving and you know, we have high school transgender girls who are in national media, you know, being called all sorts of names, misgendered. Um, and that's a tough position for a young person who just wants to play sports. Yeah. And por- sports are so powerful, especially mm-hmm. for a young athlete who could be dealing with anything in life. It's such an outlet yep. for, for young athletes and, and even us old ones. Yeah. You know, I feel like that is the one thing that should never, ever, ever be taken away from anybody because yeah. the power of sports goes well beyond, you know, gender for yeah. that matter, if yeah. you will. Yeah. It's and it, there are so many studies that say, you know, in high school and college athletes have better GPAs, more positive mental health benefits, better fitness you know, and, and physical activity, less chance of getting heart disease and so many d- different you know, ailments that plague our communities, obesity and on and on. Right. And in a time when gym classes are being cut, where there's less movement than ever before because of our attachment to screens, if a kid wants to go out and play and move their body, they should be allowed to let them play, let them play. That's so true. Um, so where do you feel like team USA is going next? Where, where do you see yourself in that? I mean, granted the current situation of COVID-19 kind of yeah. took the Olympics out of the picture right now, but do you have any plans going forward with took sport? Everything out of the picture, right? Yes. But um, So I tore my meniscus in January and have been rehabbing it. When This was the perfect time to be injured, to be honest, because <laughs> there was no pressure for me to push my body to get recovered faster or to you know mm-hmm. accelerate my recovery because of some race date. Mm-hmm. So it was actually a blessing in disguise. Yeah. Um, World championship got postponed, national championship postponed. So next year I'm on Team USA and I will be competing in the Netherlands uh, for duathlon and then I'll be doing national championships. Um, and I am going to see about race walking. So I don't think we've talked yeah, a lot about talked that. Yeah, we talked about that. Yeah, so like dabbling in race walking last year um, and it's a sport that is odd to me, <laughs> but super fun. I mean, fun. it looks brutal to be honest. Yeah. 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 Super fun. Um, and such a welcoming community. It's just mm-hmm. like people who are really, um, it's all of the best things about the running community are in the race walking community and they all know each other's names. So that's a that's very awesome. cool, very cool environment to be in. Um, 
and I might do some more of that. We'll see uh, how how the knee feels when I start to pick that up again. Yeah. I'm back to running. I'm I'm cycling. So good. You know, during this time, I think it, it was great to alleviate some of the pressure, both in in terms of recovery, but making sport fun again, right? Yep. So like, I'm very driven to achieving my goals, but at the same time, it has to be fun. Yeah. And when it stops being fun, I will stop doing it. Yeah. Um, kind of so, like work. Yeah. Love what you do. Exactly. Because otherwise, yeah, why are you, why are you here? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I hear you on that. So the the race walking thing, though, when I watch it, yeah, my shins kill me, and I'm not even in it. Is it totally? All different muscles, right? Oh, so shins man. and hamstrings and glutes. Oof. Yeah. So um, I have I've never done so many tibialis raises, oh. but it has been a big part of my recovery program, yeah. and I think that will save me moving forward. Uh, it's like a new favorite exercise. It's really like silly, but I'm just constantly lifting my toes because well, it's I a completely different so set of muscles when you're race walking versus yeah. when you're running. Yep. I mean, I look at race walking like that is significantly harder than yeah. going out for a run. I would agree, and and a lot more brain power too because yeah. I could go for a run and zone out. I could go for a run and think about anything. I can go for a run and listen to music. Mm-hmm. When I am doing the walking, I have to be attentive to every part of my body because mm-hmm. it is just not natural to me. Nope. Oh man. That's a, that's a crazy sport. Yeah. But crazy. it was cool. Like when was the last time you did something new? When was the last time you were a beginner in something and mm-hmm. had to, had to learn the very basics and, and had an opportunity to improve and progress? It's a great question. I feel like. Tell me you play the ukulele. No, but I did get a drum set. Did you? <laughs> Is this a quarantine buy? <laughs> no, I've actually had the drum set for okay. a couple years. It's yeah. it's uh, it's my stress reliever outside of gym time, but awesome. um, <laughs> I'm terrible at it. But you know, I yeah. put my little headphones in and I yeah. can hear myself, and I just um, but yeah, I'm terrible. But I feel like you know, with practice, I get better every day. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. <laughs> and that's what it's about: getting a little bit better every day. Yeah. Can we splice in some drum footage in this? Like. Mm. That's Give not me a, a few months. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I get a whole separate video. All right. <laughs> that was my icebreaker. <laughs> I got a drum set. <laughs> Music was always one a thing for me, though, because I definitely self-taught guitar. I played mm-hmm. saxophone for like eight, oh, wow. uh, 15 years. So music was always an interesting release for me. Yeah. Like, yeah, I like trying new things. But um, so... I always like to close off with one very important question. Okay. If, what would you tell your 10 year old self? Question mark. Yes. Never limit your greatness to make other people feel comfortable. Ooh, I just got chills. That's it. Period. Period. If I could drop this microphone, I would. (laughs) (laughs) It's such a powerful powerful sentiment. And it's like, I I see so many people encounter this and, you know, now kind of from a pulled back view, when I meet transgender athletes and I recently met a division two college runner who ended up winning the NCAA championship. And I could tell going into the race that she was not going to give her full effort. Mm -hmm. And part of it is, she didn't want the attention that comes with that. Um, and it's not, that's a, that's not a decision for me to make of whether or not she can handle the media attention. Right. And Mm -hmm. maybe she had very valid reasons, but, uh, it's not worth it for any of us to let ourselves hide our shine to make other people feel comfortable because what happens is we all just kind of shift to the middle, right? There's this thing of like, you don't want to be exceptional in either way because it's safer in the middle Mm -hmm. and it takes a lot of courage to yeah. break outside of that, to, to be who you really are, to be your authentic self, to not hold back and just say, fuck it. I don't care what people think. Yep. This is me. This is all of me. And that's a gift to give to other people. Yep. Yep. Because while that being with that being said, you might still get that one shitty DM, mm-hmm. but that alone are the hundred of other DMS that right. inspired people. 
Yep. And so many more that we'll never hear about, right? For all of us. So we are all more likely to write the negative Yelp review than to write, I had a great experience. It's just the way that we operate. We always kind of shift more towards that negative. I'll talk about a bad experience, but what about the 30 positive experiences I had in that store or that restaurant beforehand? We don't talk about that. So you can rest assured that you have impacted people in your life that you will never know. And it doesn't matter what you do, who you are, what sport you play, what your job is, you know, we should never underestimate our ability to make an impact on the people around us simply by being ourselves. Yep. I mean, on that note, (laughs) (laughs) drop that mustache wax. (laughs) That was amazing. Chris, thank you so, 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 so much for coming on today. Thanks for having me. So good. I mean, I could sit here and talk to you for hours. We have to do this again. I think so. Obviously. Yeah. I think when this is all over, we should just be real friends. I mean, we should just hang out. Obviously, okay. that's a given. <laughs> that is absolutely a given. No, but just like who you are as an athlete, as a human being, is so fucking powerful. And I appreciate the shit out of you. And I just think that, yes, your your story and the whole you know your uh, transition through life is one piece of you, but that is a fraction of who you are. And I think that you have such a powerful, impactful story for so many people on so many different levels. And I think that. Everyone needs to listen to this and everyone needs to send you a text message. Yeah. So thank you for doing this. 312-847-2551. There it is. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. Of course. (laughs) Thanks for listening to Inside the Huddle. Make sure to tune in again next week.